Thank you to Hawk and Rachel and the team for, for leading us on this long weekend Sunday. We appreciate the people that continue to serve, even, even though it's a long weekend. Now, I know uh, this is a fun time of year for us because you've got 9.30 people and 11 o'clock people. And maybe some of you have some new seatmates today, and you're kind of looking at them and wondering if this is their first time here or if they've been here for 50 years and just go to the other service. And so I'm going to give you some permission this morning to be uh, inappropriate. You can simply say to the person next to you today, you look like the kind of person that's never been to church before. So why don't you just say hello to the people around you. If you don't know them, you can introduce yourself. Chances are you're going to be seatmates for the next nine weeks. So you might as well get to, get to know them a little bit. All right, that's enough. Let me start by asking you a question this morning, and we'll start with this. Who is someone who has inspired you? Who's someone that has inspired you? Someone that when you heard their story, it just kind of blew you away, and you couldn't wait to tell that story to as many people as you could. It just kind of pumped you up to hear it, and you couldn't wait for other people to hear about it as well. Who has inspired you? One of the people that's inspired me is Terry Fox. Uh, As a young guy growing up, Terry Fox was kind of a Canadian hero. Uh, Had his right leg amputated about mid-thigh because of cancer, and in an effort to raise awareness and funds for for cancer, he decided to run across Canada, dipped his foot in in the harbor in St. John's, Newfoundland, and started running. Now, some of you are joggers, and you've done like 7K, you've run 7K, you've come home and you've been sore, the next morning you lost two toenails, and you had, you know, your legs were all stiff and you could barely move, you had to recover a week before you could run another 7K. Terry Fox ran 42 kilometers a day with a prosthetic. Rested in in the back of a minivan, slept in the back of a minivan, got up the next morning early and started running again 42 kilometers a day. Anytime I'm in a difficult situation or struggling and I think about that story, I get inspired to keep going. It's a powerful story. I was at a conference this week, and another person that inspires is a guy by the name of Luis Palau. Luis Palau is an evangelist, was a contemporary of Billy Graham. Uh, He shared the gospel with over 24 million people during his lifetime. And in that ministry, uh, one million people made commitments to him for the very first time. A million people. He's now in his mid-80s, and he's got terminal lung cancer. And will be with us just a few more months. He appeared at the conference I was at via video. In his 80s, terminal lung cancer. And he was so full of joy. He was so full of enthusiasm for what the Lord might do in our world today. It was inspiring. Who inspires you? We're in this series for the summer. We're going to be talking about inspirational people over the next nine weeks. And the word inspire paints a picture for us of breathing fresh air into someone. 
someone that breathes fresh air into you. They fill your lungs with new breath and new life. Inspiration moves people to action. When you hear an inspirational story, you don't just say, that's nice. You want to do something differently. You want to move. You want to act. You want to engage. And there are so many stories like that. And we need some inspirational stories right about now, don't we? (laughs) Have you watched the news? Do you feel inspired after watching the news? You feel so discouraged and beaten and worn down just by watching a little bit of news. I get discouraged when I hear statistics about church, when I hear about Christians behaving badly. Um, It's uninspiring. It does the opposite of inspire. It takes the air right out of us. Or maybe uh, it's like someone eats a Polish spicy sausage with raw onions on top, and then they burp and blow that air on you. That's kind of the vision of of non-inspiration. This summer, we're going to look at the stories of people that we hope will inspire you. Because there are so many. And whether they lived a thousand years ago, or whether they're still alive and with us today, they're great stories. And we want to share them with you over the summer months. None of these people were perfect. Some of them, when you hear their story, you might think, man, that's a little extreme and that's okay. Our hope is not for you to imitate them. Our hope is for you to be inspired by them and to think a little bit about what the Lord might do with our lives. And it's my privilege this morning to kick off the series and to introduce you to Frank Laubach. How many of you know Frank Laubach? Oh, I'm so excited. One person, three people, three people. That means you're all going to be taking just detailed notes. Let me just give you a quick snapshot bio and then we'll jump right in. Frank Laubach was born in 1884 in Pennsylvania. He trained at some of the best schools in the U.S., Princeton, Union Theological Seminary, Columbia University, and he sensed the Lord was calling him to missions. So he said yes to the Lord and the Lord took him to the Philippines. He spent 14 years successfully writing and teaching and serving on the front lines of the mission field, even pioneering an outreach to uh, a hostile Muslim group who were hostile to Christians. He wrote over 50 books. He shared a literacy program that was used in 34 countries around the world that helped over 60 million people learn to read. Um, In one of the countries where he served, the elders gave him this name, Mender of old baskets. Mender of old baskets. Why? Because he taught the elderly to read for the first time in their life. Mender of old baskets. I love that. He had his face on a U.S. stamp. He helped inform President Truman's agenda to improve literacy in the U.S. By all accounts, Laubach was a very successful man of God. But there was a problem. He was profoundly dissatisfied with his spiritual life. After being trained at the best schools and seminaries in the country, after serving as a missionary for 15 years, having taught and written articles, he was profoundly dissatisfied with his walk with the Lord. And this is what inspires me about Laubach. He longed for more. He longed for more. Some of you know this feeling. You can remember and probably tell me when you came to faith. And you can describe in vivid detail about the day when you felt the Lord tugging on your heart, inviting you to follow him. And for some of you, you would say, I haven't had that experience in a really 
long time. Some of you would tell me moments about reading the Bible in your devotions, and it was like Jesus was sitting right there speaking into your heart. And some of you would say, you know what? It's been a long time since I've had an experience like that. Some of you are busy, busy, busy doing the Lord's work, but you cannot remember the last time you felt a fresh expression of his grace come over you. If you've ever held that experience, you understand what Laubach was going through. He was successful, yes, but he longed to walk intimately with Christ each day. And his story is inspiring. He wanted to know Christ's presence, but not just on special occasions. He wanted to know it daily. The words that inspired Laubach are found in Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. I'll invite you to turn there in your Bible, or you can use the red one in the chairs in front of you. It's on page 1830, if you're using the red one. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. I'm going to read through these for us this morning. This is Paul writing to a a series of churches in the area of Colossae. He writes this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Notice how many times that word's going to come up in these verses. When we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and the love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. And that you have already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Think about that phrase for a second. When you understood God's grace in all of its truth, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Now, verse 9 is the verse that captured Laubach's heart. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully be giving thanks to the Father." There's two things that stood out to Laubach as as he he read these words and they came to life to him in his heart. The first was this sense that there's more. There's more to the Christian life than what I've been experiencing. There's so much more to walking with the Lord than what I've had now in my own life. Listen to these phrases. The grace of God in all its truth fill you with spiritual knowledge of his will, bearing fruit, growing again and again and again throughout these verses. There's this sense that Paul is telling that his disciples, there's more than you're experiencing right now. There's more. You can know more of God's grace. You can know more of his will. You can have the wonders of heaven overflowing into your life. All of this is available to you. And to Laubach, the, word, the verse that kind of turned the key for him was prayer. In verse 9, all of this becomes accessible to us as we pray, as we spend time with the Lord. Three times Paul mentions prayer, but it was verse 9, this vision of non-stop continual prayer 
that captured Laubach's imagination. And he wanted it. He wanted to know what it was like to pray without ceasing. To have ongoing, continual prayer all throughout his days and all throughout his life. And he took it literally. Let me give you an example. He started out and he set a goal of turning his thoughts to God once every hour during the day. So every hour that he was awake, he decided, I am going to, at one point in that hour, turn my thoughts to the Lord and think about him for a few, just even for a few seconds, one time, every hour, all throughout my day. And he expected that as he turned his thoughts to the Lord, the Lord would reveal his love. He would provide practical direction on whatever he was facing. He would give him a scripture or prompt him to pray for someone. In fact, one of my favorite quotes of Laubach was that I long to live in such a way that when I see someone, it's as if I'm praying for them because I'm living so fully in the presence of God. So he turned his thoughts to the Lord at least once every waking hour of his day. Can you imagine? Lord, I'm heading into this meeting. I'm going to turn my thoughts to you and just get some help, get some reflection here. I'm having a conversation with somebody. Lord, I need your advice. I need your counsel. Lord, I'm standing in the grocery store. Should I get bone-in chicken or just boneless, skinless? I don't know. But every moment of every day, he was walking with the Lord and turning his thoughts and attention to him once for every hour of every day. And do you know what happened? It wasn't enough. He wanted more. He got a taste of it, and he wanted more. Let me read you some words from his journal. It's a little bit long. January 26, 1930. Let me share with you what he wrote. He wrote, For the past few days, I've been experimenting in a more complete surrender than ever before. I'm taking by deliberate act of will enough time from each hour to give God much thought. Yesterday and today, though, I have made a new adventure, which is not easy to express. I am feeling God in each movement by an act of will, willing that he shall direct these fingers as I type on the typewriter, willing he shall pour through my steps as I walk, willing that he should direct my words as I speak, and my very jaws as I eat. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. This guy's crazy. This guy is crazy. That Filipino sun is burning down on him. And, but listen, listen to what he says next. Do you will object to this intense introspection. Do not try it unless your spiritual life is vibrant, he says. If your spiritual life is great, don't try this. But for him, he wants more. He says this, but at least allow me to realize all the leadership of God I can. I am disgusted with the pettiness and futility of my unled self. This is a guy who turns his thoughts to God at least one hour of each day, he feels it's petty and selfish. If the way out of is not more slavery to God, then what is the way out? I am trying to be utterly free from everybody, from my own self, but completely enslaved to the will of God every moment of this day. So Laubach goes from taking one moment from each hour and decides to take one moment from each minute of each day that he's awake. Think about that for a second. 
one moment during each minute to turn your heart to the Lord, to be acknowledging his presence, and to live with an awareness of his presence each day. If you want to read about this, he's got a book called The Game of Minutes. You can go on Amazon and download it. Now, some of you are thinking right now, that's crazy. That would never work for me. And again, our hope for you in this series is not to imitate. It's to inspire you. It's to inspire you with a sense of what would it be like for me to live with a greater sense of God's presence in my daily life. That it wouldn't be something special, but it would be ordinary. Moment by moment might seem like a bit much. Hour by hour might seem a little bit intense. What about this? What if you sought to have one moment each week? One moment each week where you were just deeply aware of the Lord's presence in your life that you could tell a story about it. You could describe how the Lord led you in that moment. How he provided for you. How he gave you a scripture verse at a moment when you needed it. That once each week you would just have this tangible experience of the presence of God in your life. So over the summer months you would have nine of these stories. Let me tell you, for some of us, that would mean that we are now in the most spiritually intense season that we've been in in years. And we would be walking with the Lord and having an experience of his presence in a greater way than we've had in a really, really long time. Now, if your image now is of Lawback sitting in a rocking chair with an Afghan over him, just kind of praying away, useless, disengaged from the world, kind of no one even knows that he exists because he's off in some kind of shed somewhere in the wilderness, you're completely wrong. Lawback teaches us what all great people of prayer teach us, that as we turn our heart to prayer, and live with a more powerful sense of God's presence, God directs our lives into the broken world. He directs us outward. Great people of prayer always receive a heart for other people because the more you spend time with God, the more you will have a passion for the things he has a passion for, and he has a passion for the lost and brokenness in our world. And this is what Laubach experienced. The more time he spent with the Lord, the more useful he became in God's kingdom work. Let me just give you some examples. He's probably best known in his world, in the world for social work, for his work for bringing about peace and bringing about literacy. He developed a technique of teaching the Philippine language to writing. He worked on this language and started to teach people how to read and write for the very first time of their lives, and he realized, if I have to teach everybody to read and write, this is going to take forever. So he started this practice of, I'll teach you, but I'm just not just going to teach you the language, I'm going to teach you how to teach somebody else who taught somebody else, who would teach somebody else. It became known as the each one, teach one literacy model, which has gone to 34 different countries around the world, which reshaped the US government's attempt to change the adult literacy rates in the United States, all because of Frank Laubach was living with this powerful sense of the Lord's presence day in and day out. It did not make him useless. It made him more impactful through his entire life. He accomplished all of this in an attitude of prayer. Now, nothing inspires my own prayer life like stories. I know I'm supposed to prayer. I can preach on prayer. I can give you five techniques and five strategies on prayer. I know it in my brain. But what moves my heart is stories. Let me just share you a couple. Local. A couple of weeks ago, Jill and I were in Moncton. 
and um, we were visiting a church, and the pastor came on over, and I was introducing him to Jill. He'd never met her before. And he said, oh, nice to meet you. He'd never met my kids. And he stopped and said, how are Nick, Ethan, Annalise, and Seth doing? And you could tell I was a little bit surprised that he knew all of my kids' names. There's days I don't know all of their names. And he said to me, well, you're on a list of people that I pray for on a rotation. And I pray for your family. And I pray for your kids by name. There's a young couple in our church. On Saturday mornings, uh, they get up early. And they pray all morning. Family prayer. They just get up and devote themselves to prayer. They pray for us. Pray for the needs around them. This is part of their week. They get up to pray. Our Chinese community, every Friday night when you and I are sitting down in front of Netflix with a big bag of chips and just kind of looking to become kind of a vegetable for the night, they're gathering to pray. These are the stories that inspire. And we hope that as you enter into the summer months, you would be inspired to pray. This is our third week in a row, if anybody's keeping track, talking about prayer. And maybe today, um, you're feeling a little bit like Frank Laubach was after 15 years of being a missionary. And you're feeling a little dissatisfied with your spiritual life too. I'm guessing that in a room this size this morning, there might be at least one, maybe two, that could probably feel that way. You feel like your faith is a little lifeless. And you want a little bit more. My hope for you is that you would enter into prayer. That you would start spending more time with the Lord. Not because you have to, but because he invites you to. As a, as a daughter and as a son, to spend time with your Heavenly Father. Let me pray for you.